Um, Stuart's going to come and speak to us in just a sec. And before he does that, I'm going to read from um, John chapter 20, where Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my, sou- into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, it's all a story we read at Easter, but we are Easter people, you know. We are Easter people. It's rather unfair, really, isn't it, for old Thomas, that he's dubbed from all throughout the centuries as, as doubting Thomas, and yet uh, he did doubt, really. He'd been decimated by the loss of his great friend, his, his mentor, his his guide, his Lord, and he's absolutely, well, he's blown away. And his disciples said, we've seen the Lord. And he said, look, you, you know, I, I'm not gullible. I'm not gullible. Whether he'd actually seen Jesus on the cross, but nobody who hangs nailed to a tree like that ever lives again. This isn't a resuscitation. Thomas says, you know, spare me. I'm not gullible. Look, I'll tell you what he says, unless, unless I put my hands, you know, where the nail went and just put it inside where the spear went, I won't believe. And, um, you know, it's, it's, he's a realist, isn't he? Let's be honest, you know. He's, 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 he's like us, really. And uh, I mean, nobody's ever been raised from the dead who's been crucified. Nobody. And... Um, I mean, I believe Thomas is a true follower of Jesus. Um, that he ran away when he was arrested, so I guess he's, he's struggling with that. When Jesus needed him in the garden, they all scarpered. But um, he's full of doubts. You know, he'd love to believe, but he's full of doubts. And uh, you know, we we did Jude in the summer, and and Jude says, "Be kind, be merciful." To those who doubt. And some of you have come this morning, you think, what is it all about this meeting, this, this singing and all this preaching? What is it all about? You've, you've come with doubts. Some of you have got plenty of doubts. Well, Jude says, be, be merciful to those who doubt. We want to be kind to those of doubt. And doubts are a good thing as well as a bad thing, as we shall see. And, it's, and dear old Thomas is, is put in the page of scripture that we might learn. Well, See, it's not always simple, is it? It's not always simple. People say it is. Uh, and some doubts are absolutely good. Any educationist will tell you. You see, we, we want to know the truth, don't we? We want to know the truth. So you've got to have doubts until you, and you press through. 
till you've, till you've got the truth. Please have doubts, my friends. Fortunately, last a couple of weeks ago, I, I won on the Spanish international sweepstake uh, 950,000 euros. I have to share this with 17 others, but it's good, isn't it? You know, it's over half a million. All I have to do is just fill in this form at the bottom with my name and address and my particulars. And <laughs> now, tell me, my friends, I, I have to doubt this, surely, without being a cynic, right? You have to doubt things, my friends. If I say a lot of rubbish, you have to doubt it. If what I say is not according with this book, doubt it, reject it. You have to doubt. It's a process of education. But also, you know, we have to have hope. Therefore, we believe. Or else, if we didn't have, if we didn't believe, we despair. So, for we have to choose between that which we'll reject and that which is true. And when we have to make choices, all of us. You know the funny story about the the, uh, the pilot that took the smartest man in the world and the Boy Scout in the aeroplane. You're all listening now, aren't you? Right. <laughs> and uh, he takes him up for a flight and then after this flight, he suddenly says, the engine's gone. But they only had two parachutes. You know the story. They only had two parachutes. And there's Boy Scout, the smartest man in the world, and the pilot. Anyway, before they could turn their back, the smartest man in the world had grabbed the pack and he was, he was going down. And the, the, the pilot says to the, the Boy Scout, look, he said, relax. He says, he says, I've lived a good life. I'd like, you have, I'd like you to have the remaining parachute. Because I've had a life. You're, like, you're just beginning your life. And the Boy Scout says, Relax. The smartest man in the world had just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> so even smart people, there is a point to it, Neil, I'm sorry. I should. Even smart people make mistakes. And we're, our plane is going down. We're all moving toward death and judgment. And life and eternal life depends on the judgments you make. Uh, and so we have to make, we have to choose. Well, what is doubt? Let's look at it. Doubt is, it's really, it's, it's been in, literally, it's been in two minds. You sort of, uh, you're wavering between faith and unbelief. And um, it's a mind in suspension between um, uh, faith and, and, and unbelief. It's... Um, we shouldn't be ashamed of doubts. Spurgeon says doubts are the constant companion of those, who, of those of, in faith. We'll always have doubts. That's part of our humanity. But the problem is, not the problem, the thing, God wants you to be free from these doubts because he, he, he wants you to have faith and assurance. See, dear Thomas, he wants to believe. He's a genuine believer, but there's a pain in his heart because he doesn't have that assurance. And he wants to believe, but he finds it really difficult. And he's missing what the others have seen. And you see, there's a difference between doubts in unbelievers and doubts in, in, in believers. In an unbeliever, you don't want to believe. There's a rejection. There's a resistance. There's a defiance. I don't want to... 
Uh, I don't want to know, that, you know. And, and the Bible does say, James says, the brother of Jesus does say, don't you think you doubt you're going to get anything from God if you start praying? No, no, that's, you, you have to deal with your doubts. And God's will is that we deal with our doubts and we come to a place of faith and assurance. And, um, well, why do doubts come? Why do doubts come? Well, if you've been on my course on spiritual warfare, you'll know that some come just from the, the demonic powers that surround us. They come, as the Apostle Paul says, like flaming arrows. You know, you're full of faith one day, then zoom, you just don't believe anything. It's like a sinkhole just comes. You think, there's a darkness. And that, it's just a spiritual warfare. And we, we all know that some days. We're full of doubt. But actually doubts come from other means. They come sometimes when you're tired. When you've sleep deprivation. You're tired. You've had an illness. You've had a baby. You know, you've been through a really hard time. And you're worn out. And you, you're just exhausted. And doubts come on days like that. But also doubts come because just of intellectual doubts. And that's not a bad thing. That's why we have Sunday school. Some of you have come today and said, I don't understand Christianity. I'm full of doubts. Well, that's not a bad thing. That's why we set up courses called Alpha Courses. And we have other courses that you should go on and ask your questions. That's how, that's how we progress. As someone said to me, I read when you go to university, doubt everything. That's how you do it. And then you learn you pursue, you want truth. It's not a bad thing, isn't doubt. It's how you learn. <laughs> you know, and we have to get our own faith. You send a, a child to university or college, and um, they say to them, well, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. And he said, well, you're only a Christian because you've been brought up in a Christian home. Look at Ahmed. He's a Muslim. Why is he a Muslim? Because he was brought up in a Muslim home. The only reason you're a Christian is that you've been brought up in a Christian home. And the guy's right. You have to get your own faith. You have to work through your doubts. You've got to ask questions. Some of us have had friends and we ask questions of them all the time. Go tell me again. Now, if you're a bit thick like me, you ask them again and again. You know, we've been on the road for years. I don't never feel frightened of asking. I'm, I'm going to meet somebody in this next week. I have a list of questions about the Bible and I go through them with them. Can you tell me? We never stop learning. Deal with your doubts. You know, if you're alive, you're going to have doubts. You have to deal with them and you come to a place of assurance. But also, you know, you, you get doubts, uh, you know, when um, you go through a crisis or a, a tragedy. You know, doubts come. I was attending a funeral of a friend of ours on Friday in Liverpool, 40 years old, a young man, two little girls. You've got to ask questions. Why? What is all this about? The man's a believer, a lovely believer, and yet... 40 years old. Or else, a well-known case is a, a, a professor in America who's, who's written a book about it. Um, um, the, the problem he's is, is, is going through, Nicholas Walterstorff. And Nicholas Walterstorff, his son, is a mountaineer, is a mountaineer for a hobby. And he goes to Switzerland and he's 25 years old and he falls off a, a cliffside. And Walderstorff writes, he says, I don't know, I don't know the answer. I don't know why God would watch him fall. I don't know why God would watch me wounded. I cannot even guess. My wound is an unanswered question. And doubts come. It's, it's understandable. 
And um, but doubts doubts come just because of temperament, don't they? Some people like that, you know, half empty people, not half full. I think Thomas is like that. Jesus says to Thomas, "We go. Let's go to Jerusalem, not Jerusalem, Bethany. Sorry." And uh, Thomas says, "Let's also go that we may die." <laughs> Who's talking about dying? But you know, we like that, don't we? Some of us are like that. Oh yes, you know. You know, you sit next to them at Wickham Wanderers. If you ever go to that, we'll pray for you. And you sit next to them and you're winning 2-0, right? And they say, they'll lose, you know. <laughs> no, no, they're winning. And then it's, they're winning 3-0 in the 10 minutes to go. And they say, they will lose, you know. I've been here before. They all do it. They just, they do it. They'll lose. No, they won't. You don't need to sit next to people like that. I've seen them do it before. Be quiet. But we're, people are like that, you see. People are, 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 are like that. You know, we, we, that's how we constituted. Um, you know, it's interesting here, isn't it? They call twice. John calls him Didymus. Now, Didymus means twin. Now, if you go to Ghana, to a Kamasi, Atta, a, a twin, very prestigious to be a twin, but not in the ancient world. Because firstly, to be a twin ruined this inheritance equation. And secondly, the the mortality of those pregnant with twins was 50% greater than those carrying a single child. So nobody wanted to be a twin. It's very interesting. That's why they call him twin. Why does he put it in twin? They say, well, probably that's just like he is. Thomas, he is like that, double-minded. It's interesting we play on words like doubt and double. And there's something going on. Whether John's trying to say something. But that's Thomas. That's who he is. And um, he's not sure on which direction to go. But perhaps the biggest cause of doubt are moral problems. And you can see that every day on the telly and or the radio. People have a go at Christianity and against God and against the church. I am not surprised. And the Bible's full of problems and doubts. And they say, they have, it, it suits them not to believe. It suits them to have doubts. Because they're going to have to change their lifestyle. If they believe the Bible, you're going to have to stop sleeping with that person. You're going to have to change your finances. You're going to have to change your attitude to certain people. It suits you. I, I said, but listen to people and they're having a go. I think, yeah, well, you don't want to enter the truth because the truth really would blow your life apart. So it, it, suits, it suits them. You know, the great philosopher of, well, great, uh, older Suxley last, last century in his book Ends and Means, he says, we objected to the morality that's of Christianity because it interfered with our sexual freedom. At least the guy's honest. You know, if we go down the Christian route, we can't live, we can't sleep around as we do. We're going to have to change our lives and follow this book, follow this man, Jesus. But I guess I think here, see, doubt, what I'm saying is, puts a blindfold on you, really. Some of you are not going to believe because you're going to change your lifestyle. You've got to change your lifestyle, and then light will flood in. But I think also here with Thomas, I think he wants to believe, but I, you know, I, I, I identify with him. But perhaps 
He didn't believe. You know, please don't tell me it's too good to be true. I can't, I've been hurt. Last week was horrendous to see Jesus die. I don't raise my hopes. I can't cope with it. And so we hide in doubts. It's, it's a safer place. You know, it's a safety of doubt. You know, it's too good to believe Christianity. And some of you have come and you think, well, what these leaders and people are saying at this church is wonderful. I can't believe this. You've been hurt in life. People have let you down and, and all kinds of things. And so you hide in doubt. It's safer. I don't want to be hurt. I think Thomas is a bit like that, really. You know, and uh, you know, let's assume you, you won the lottery. Not that you would buy a lottery ticket, but you know, you, you can't, you've won the lottery and you, read, you can't believe it. So you have to even go next door and say, would you read this for me? Because you can't believe it. I, you know, I don't want to be hurt. You know, so you, you choose. We always lose. That's why I follow this team. You know, I, it's easier that way. Well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with doubts? How do you deal with doubts? Well, a week later, they're all there in the upper room. And Peter says, to, it's a wonderful, wait till you see the video. Peter says to Thomas, Thomas, turn around. And there's Jesus. I mean, just amazing. Eh? There he is. Standing there. He's standing there. You know? And Jesus says, Thomas, come here. Just put your finger in my hand and, and by my side. Come on. There's a picture. I was in the National Gallery last week and there's a picture of this. I, don't th- I think the picture's wrong. It's a great picture. We were going to project it this morning. But actually, I don't think Thomas ever did it. I think Thomas got the message straight away. I don't think he needed to do it, actually. He, he believed there, there was Jesus there, 100 trillion new cells there. Not just a resuscitated Jesus, but a risen, glorified Jesus. I don't think, I, he was convinced. He was convinced. And he, seemed to, he, and he says, look what he said. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now the Jehovah's Witnesses say, well, they're just blaspheming, blaspheming. No first century Jew would ever say that. Besides, there's that little word that gives it away, and. You wouldn't put and in, would you? <laughs> but it's interesting, why does he say that? My lo- See, this is Christianity. This is the heart of it. It's not, well, I believe, we've, we've gone through the creed and it's been great, but it's not saying, well, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. No, Christianity is this, my Lord, my God. A lot of us believe, I've done the degree in theology, and you can do all that stuff and not be a believer no, Christianity is my Lord and my God. That's what he's saying. And um, you see, Thomas, Thomas's doubts have been replaced. Uh, his, his sight and touch have come. But you see, Jesus is after a people. And God is after a people who will trust him. Just by, because we have the word. That's, that's, that's the dispensation of the scheme we're in. Because when you trust a person's word, it means you believe his character. It means that I can just I just trust his character. The, the person I can trust the person. See, I could destroy you. Who believes I have uh, ten pounds in this hand? Anybody? Uh, anybody believes I've got ten pounds in this hand? Come on! <laughs> I see a hand at the back. Yes, thank you. Any anybody? Who believes I haven't got 10 pounds in this hand? 
Ah. Well, for you at the back. Now, the problem is, for my friend at the back, thank you very much. Thank you for coming. I'm keeping it, actually. But seriously, I have destroyed your faith because you don't need faith anymore. You have sight. And we're not there yet. And Jesus is, is, uh, knows that. We're not in the position as the, um, the, the, the disciples. See, Thomas should have believed the word of the apostles. He should have believed them. He says, because, Jesus says, because you believe, because you've seen, you believed. But what, what Jesus is after, what God is after, is the people who believe his word. That's what he's after, you see, who believe the scriptures. And uh, faith comes from hearing. The me- and hearing comes from the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. We're we meant to be- believe. This is what he's left with us. And um, see, Jesus is alive. And he said, I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you two things because I want you to be blessed. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Right? That's what he's saying. You know? And so he's given us this book and these things are written, says John, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So Jesus said, I'm going to give you my word. Through all the centuries, trust it. it. It's my word. I'm alive. I will back it up. Not only that, he says, I was a great counselor. I was a great comfort to you. I was a great strength to you. Well, I'm going to send someone just like me. Another one, the counselor, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you my word and the, my spirit. He will not only be with you, he will be in you. Right? <laughs> and... Um, Jesus is alive. You see, I want us to realize that. And, but I think these, this week, Thomas has been thinking. The disciples said, he's alive, Thomas. We've seen him. And Thomas is saying, I can't believe that. But then I think through the week, that week is significant. I think he's been thinking, what's this last three years been about? Even the night before Jesus died, didn't he say to Philip, don't you know, Philip, that after... After I've been among you for, for such a long time, anyone has seen me, has seen the Father. Don't you realize that? And all these things would come back to him. Abraham, I am. I mean, didn't he say, before Abraham, I am? He's claiming to be God. And he walks on water. He, it's amazing. And, and he can do all these things. He, he produces food for, for five people. 10,000 people at a time just by prayer. It's amazing. And the words he spoke, peerless, unbelievable. And the miraculous, the sight was given, you know, all the rest of it. And the words. I mean, even Peter says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And Jesus, look, I and the Father are one. You know? Before, he says, you know... Whatever the father does, the son does also. And, and I could go on and all these three weeks, well not three weeks, weeks. Thomas has been thinking. And remember that time when, when he, the man was lowered down through the roof. And um, 
and, and he's paralyzed. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? Sin is always against God. Is this man claiming to be God? And now he's been raised. So the penny is dropping with Thomas, right? Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. And Thomas has seen and believed. And but, so, but Jesus' two arms have come, his word and his spirit. And uh, he comes and he's alive. We can talk to Jesus. You know, my brother did medicine many years ago. And I remember visiting him in his, when he did medicine in the DR, the dissection room, and seeing all these cadavers laid out. And the other, he was dissecting this dear lady. And he spoke to this lady. I, I had a name, I won't mention it. And uh, as he you know, teased out the vessels and all the rest of it. But in the evening, my friends, he spoke to his girlfriend. Now, I guess he spoke differently to his girlfriend than he did this cadaver. Right? Now we have a living saviour, my friends. He's alive. He's not a dead historical figure. He is a, it is a fact of history. But he's alive. And, and, and he's given us his word and his spirit. And um, anyway, my time has gone quickly. How, how, how are we to get rid of our doubts? How are we going to get rid of our doubts? Because Jesus wants us to be blessed, he says. We want to be blessed. We've only got one life. Blessed are those who, who believe have not seen. Well, firstly, you have to deal with your sin. It's as simple as that. You have to deal with your sin. Truth is a moral thing, not just an intellectual thing. Some of you say, I come this way, I just don't get it. You won't get it while you're living as you are. You have to change it. You've got to turn around. And when you turn around, light comes. You have to do it. It's not just that, well, I'll try and I'll read all the books. Read all the books. By all means. But actually, you have to change. You, to, to come to follow the living God, you have to change your lifestyle. If you want to know truth and deal with your doubts, you have to live according to the truth, not just believe certain things. So you have to deal with your sin. And before we take communion, let me, let me tell you, do, deal with that. This could change your life today, right? And the blindfolds will come off. The second thing is be with people who believe. When I went to university a while ago, I met all these people, these strange fundamentalist people who believe the Bible. I'd been to church. I was a good lad, you know. But I didn't believe anything. Well, I thought I did. And I met people who believe the Bible. I, they were a real weird lot. But they weren't a weird lot. They, they had a radiance and a love and something that I wanted. An authority, a purpose, a certainty in life. And I thought, I'm going to stick with this lot. And I did. And for the last 50 odd years, I've stuck with these strange people. <laughs> I, I, I commend these people to you if you're a visitor. Stick with them, my friend. Stick with them. Be with people you, and, and ask them questions. And stick at it for year after year after year after year. Stick at it. Be with people who believe. You're not the authority. They are, actually. <laughs> and uh, the final thing is just, you know, sort yourself in God's word. You have to do that. Read everything you can. Buy a book every week. I do. Well, you can't. You're not as wealthy as me, but I can, you know. 
read, read, read all the ta- books you can. I hear sermons every. Get as much into your head as you can. Because the doubts come on the other end. Flush them out with the truth, my friends. Just read. Be, into, be with everything. Every meeting you go to, get to it. Be there. But remember, Jesus is alive. Let me close with this. John Oldberg tells about a friend of his, Cheryl. Cheryl has multiple sclerosis. And she goes to this beautician, as you do. Well, as some of you do. And uh, she gets her nails done and uh, whatever they do. And high brows and whatever they do. <laughs> gets her hair done, if you've got hair. And, uh, and uh, she... <laughs> And you get talking, these ladies have been known to talk. And, um, anyway, but this beautician says, I'm talking about religion, I don't believe in God. I do not believe in God, she says. I don't believe in God. Why? If there's a God, she says, she says why, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why are there so... You know, why are they abandoned children? Why is there such pain? Why is this and why is this? If, if there was a God, why is all this happening? Well, Cheryl didn't uh, try and answer all that and she paid up and went out. So she goes out and she goes across the street. And sure enough, it's in America this. And there's a lady there, on the, a homeless lady with dirty nails and smelly and hair matted and rags and all of it. So... Cheryl shoots back into the beauticians and says, I tell you what, she says, I don't believe beauticians exist. And she says, the beautician says, how can you say that? You've just been here. She said, if beauticians exist, she said, that lady out there would not exist. She wouldn't be there. Ah, says the beautician. She's like that because she will not come to me. Exactly. God exists, but people will not come to him and be healed and cleansed and set free and delivered and filled and encouraged and forgiven and been made anew. That's what it's all about. As we come now to break bread, my friend, we come. We can't touch his body like, like Thomas can, but we can touch the bread and the wine. He said, well, does God love me? Well, I'm pretty thick, but I know that every time I take bread and wine, it proves Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Come, my friends. He's alive. He's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.